Letters from a Glass House is a not-for-profit ministry of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Venice, Florida. Support us today at UUCOV.org. Thank you to everyone who has done a salute. Thank you all today, Bev, Rich, Jackie, Bill. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Happy 25 years, Yukov. I am so glad I've been here to experience it. How about a round of applause for us? Back in 2001, Scott Adams wrote this book, God's Debris. It's a little bitty book, 132 pages. He wasn't even sure anybody pay for it, so what he did was put it out for free all over the internet. The book wasn't funny, so nobody knew really what to do with this cartoon artist book. It wasn't like anything he had ever done before. He is not a theologian. He is not a Christian. He's a pretty... He claims he's an agnostic because being an atheist would mean he actually had some idea. And I like that. He says, I don't even know enough to be an atheist. In an interview with The Tech, Adam said, God's Debris is the first non-Dilbert book I've ever done. It's not a regular book. This is a thought experiment. And he said, since I'm a trained hypnotist, I tried to write a book to mess with people's heads. And what I've gathered from test audiences is that it will either freak you out or make you very angry at me, which is a good sign. It's part science and part religion, and none of it is right. It's up to you to figure out what's wrong. And so many people downloaded this little fingernail pairing of a book that Amazon brought it out as a hardback almost a month later. It stayed on the bestseller list for almost 20 years. So Adams is not religious by any definition, but he is a former member of Mensa, keen mind and an absolute love of upsetting people. <laughs> he likes to read, he likes to play with ideas, to explore what rational and scientific people would say about almost any subject. Bernard Haish, a NASA PhD astrophysicist, wrote the book The God Theory, and in it he explains the creation of the universe as the transformation of a god into the universe. So that idea of a deity becoming its creation is called pandeism. Scott Adams thinks pandeism is a load of hooey, but he believes in asking Okay, what if? What if that simplest explanation is the best? And so I read from you, read to you from the intro 
where he dares readers to differentiate its scientifically accepted theories from creative baloney designed to sound true and try to figure out what's wrong with this simplest explanation he puts forth. He dares you to think. So what kind of book is this weird little book? It starts like any other novel, but it is absolutely not a novel. There are only two characters, an unnamed delivery boy narrator figure and an old man who reveals his name on the second to last page as Avatar. The delivery boy is every man, any man. He could stand in for any one of us. And so the story starts when he gets sent, this delivery boy, to an address. And the mail carrier who trained him told him to always ring, wait 30 seconds, and then check the door. If no one answered, set the package inside if the door is open, and if the door is locked, go away and mark the package as undeliverable and let them figure it out back at work. Makes sense. But this is a young man, and you know that very young men often ignore the rules. So when he gets there and the door is open at the house, he steps inside with the package, looking for somewhere to place it, only to find out that someone is home. And instead of complaining at what is essentially a home invasion, the other man, Avatar, invites the young man in for a conversation and starts with a weird question. Did you deliver the package, or did the package deliver you? And the boy, of course, says, well, I delivered the package. And Avatar says, well, would you have delivered the package if it didn't contain an address? Well, of course I would not have. And he says, well, then there's cooperation required from the package to deliver it. Now, this type of pseudo-Socratic dialogue continues through the whole book. He will not even let you rest with something as simple as, did you deliver the package? But the man starts to talk about the idea of free will. The package deliverer is sure that we have it, but after a few more critical questions from Avatar, he admits he can't be sure. Then he asks, okay... Let me ask you this, young package deliverer. Does God have free will? And they go back and forth. And the kid finally says, well, you must be an atheist. And that's when it starts to get interesting. He begins to unveil this idea. See if you follow this one. In order to be God, by definition, a God is omniscient or all-knowing, right? Have we not all heard that about most of the big deities? And they're omnipotent or all-powerful. So we've heard that. We've heard that about gods. So if you are an omnipotent being, Avatar argues, there is one question that stops you from being omniscient. And the question is this, can I die? Can I, as God, 
end. He says, this omnipotent being would not know the answer to that question. May I be destroyed? Can I end? And he posits that in order for this God being to be an omniscient and omnipotent being, the divine would either have to choose to destroy itself, to cease to exist in order to know the answer to the question, or to never actually be omniscient. When the God ceased to exist, its body became the dust we in the universe are made of, becoming the titles God's debris. Now, when I first read this, I spent a few minutes going, what in the living bejeebers did I just read? According, and it gets worse, (laughs) according to the avatar, it gets deeper from there. This debris from the God consists of two things, matter and probability, the rules of probability which control the matter. This is not classic dualism. This is not this idea that there is good and there is bad. It totally sidesteps that. Now I was interested Probability is a process for him, and matter is a substance. Now I was aggravated. According to the Avatar, probability is the remains of the mind of God, while matter is the debris of God's physical being. Now I was really aggravated. And I had to go get a couple of scientific journals and look up official definitions of probability Reviewer Mordanica says, according to Avatar, an omnipotent and omniscient being cannot be motivated by the same motivations as humans. An omnipotent being does not require food, is not driven by hunger. An omnipotent and omniscient being can only be motivated by one thing, the desire to experience death. One might wonder, if God has really ceased to exist, how can he experience his own non-existence? Here, an interesting twist and also a distinction between Haitia's pandeism and God's debris, the non-existence of God in Adam's mind is temporary. According to Avatar, we are part of the reconstruction of God. Since our universe is made from the same components as God, these components can rearrange such that God will exist once more. However, we might wonder what a God would do after such reconstruction, but on this, Avatar remains silent. Now, there is a strong resemblance between this theory of Adam's and the teachings of Hinduism. Some schools of Hinduism believe that our soul is a piece of a greater oversoul, Brahman, which had become separated from. According to that view, the purpose of spirituality is the recombination of the soul with Brahman, this greater oversoul. But unlike some other religions, and this is where my UU mind went, uh oh, wow. 
The God of God's debris, the God that Adams posits, cannot be reconstructed without human help. Avatar claims that the invention of the internet is a sign of the upcoming reconstruction of God. He believes that a God cannot be reconstructed without us, that our purpose is to be co-creators, engaging in the reconstruction of the divine. And he says, because of this, we have to learn to get along. Since we're essential, since we are needed to build God, God can't be reconstructed if humanity destroys itself or lets itself be destroyed. The divine's hope of reconstruction would then be ended. Avatar is particularly concerned about the numerous conflicts in the world combined with the existence of weapons of mass destruction. Because he says all these things could lead to not only the end of humanity, but the end of an omniscient, omniscient, omnipotent being that is being built. This theory provides a strong motive for space colonization because it might ensure the continued existence of the human race, even if terrestrial nations destroy one another. Now, the delivery boy who is not a trained scientist is totally confused by all of these arguments. And he reverts to a classic religious belief. What do we have to do to make God happy? And Avatar says, economic activity helps. Programming computers, growing food, raising children, cleaning garbage. This is a realization of God. None of these activities are more important. Live your life, do what you do, just by breathing. There are no holy books, no commandments, no important holy prophets, no sacred sites. The boy says, how do we get what good and evil are then? And I love this. Evil is any action that might damage people. He said, probability generally punishes evildoers in one way or another. Most criminals are captured or jailed. Overall, people who tend to hurt others tend to pay. Evil does exist, and on average, it's punished. Now, the reader and the young man in this story might find that very close to the Buddhist idea of causality and the idea of karma. And I love the explanation of the afterlife that Avatar gives. Over time, everything that is possible happens. It's a fundamental quality of probability. If you flip a coin often enough, eventually it'll come up heads a thousand times in a row. And everything possible will happen over and over as long as God's debris exists. The clump of debris that comprises your body and mind will break down and disintegrate, but a version of you will reappear in the future by chance. Are you saying I'll reincarnate? The kid asked, not exactly. I'm saying that a replica of your mind and body will exist in the distant future by chance. And the things you do now can either make life more pleasant or more difficult for your replica. And the kid being a kid said, why would I care about a replica of me? That's a different guy. He grabs the Buddhist idea of rebirth and twists it to the breaking point almost. Adams writes that there will be replicas of ourselves in the future. 
Some will have some of our memories, not necessarily all. This is like the Buddhist idea of rebirth. Reincarnation is the movement of the soul from one body to another. Buddhism denies the existence of an unchanging or eternal soul emanating from a divine essence. But rebirth says that sequential lives are related but not the same. So if the theory of everything as presented in this book is correct, what about different religious views? Are they right, wrong, some less wrong? And this is the one that hit me like a hammer. He said, religions do matter even if they're false. He tells the boy, the best any human can do is pick a delusion that helps him get through the day. It's why people of different religions can generally live in peace and At some level, we all suspect that other people don't believe their own religion any more than we believe ours. Four billion people say they believe in God, but few genuinely believe. If people believed in God, they would live every minute of their lives in support of that belief. Rich people would give their wealth to the poor. Everyone would be frantic to determine which religion was the true one. No one would be comfortable in the thought that they might have picked the wrong one and blundered into eternal damnation or bad reincarnation. People would dedicate their lives to converting others. When I read that, I thought, my God, he's talking about groups like the Westboro Baptist Church. The ones that spend full time harassing, arguing, because they believe, they really believe that everyone but them is going to hell, and they think they're helping. So this wild and crazy book started as a simple conceit. What if? What if I make up my own explanation? What if I start with simple questions and look for big answers? What if I examine religion as an outsider? What if we are all really stardust? What I can say to you is read the book if you get a chance. You can still get it on Amazon and a lot of different um, hardback, softback. You can get it on Kindle. Deconstruct religion. Think about what it would look like if science and religion worked together because God's debris is fiction and some of it is lies and some of it is true and none of it is what he believes. At least that's what he said. So What delusions help you to get through your day? (laughs) Think about it. And if anybody wants a free copy of this, I will try to direct you toward where it actually is on the Internet. There are still some out there.